0: This is Talking Ears, where music creators get to tell their story of sound and hearing. My name is Frank Wardinger. This episode features conversation with Ben Runyon. Ben Runyon is the lead of the band City Rain that saw early critical acclaim with their single The Optimist in 2013. He's gone on to collaborate with MTV, Spike Jones, The Lumineers, and many others. Ben was kind enough to join us to discuss his own experience developing tinnitus and seeking habituation. Throughout this episode, we'll be hearing music by Ben Runyon.
1: You know, when I first got it, it was like it was like someone that's oversharing. Like I wanted to talk to anybody and everybody about it to the point where I maybe probably scared people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and now where I'm at now. It's more something that comes up if students are listening to something too loud. You know, it's something that I can say, listen, there's no way to guarantee that you'll never get tinnitus, but I can give you an infinitely higher percentage chance to not develop it by taking these precautions into account. Mm-hmm. Here's sound sound is not inherently dangerous. Uh, sound is wonderful. Loud sound isn't necessarily always inherently dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's about, time and load how you know long you're in a scenario and here's a way to measure how the sound intake that you're happening whether that's healthy or not and here's a way to use this and here's a way to not overuse it to a point of insanity you know here's some best practices here's what you can do so that you can not think about it and put yourself um, in a in a good position
0: Did this one kind of music for a long time this thing happened to your ears which we'll get to obviously Mm -hmm. and now you're sort of revisiting this with fresh with fresh eyes with fresh ears um (laughs) not so fresh ears not so fresh ears (laughs) used ears define fresh (laughs) (laughs) and it kind of gives you a a different perspective on what you were making sure does informs what you're making. So I don't know if you want to talk to uh, kind of how much that's changed because of what's happened with you.
1: Sure. You know, when it first hit, when I first got tinnitus, it was devastating, it was alien, it was scary. This was happening when I wrote The Optimist. So it happens in lots of different ways. Tinnitus is just one of the ways that this can happen in your life. But things will happen in your life that make you question the construct that is the ego that you have built. Mm. And I don't use the word ego necessarily in some sort of braggadocious kind of way, like an ego, like, oh, I've got a big ego. I mean, literally in the idea of the persona, the person, what you have mm-hmm. built, that is the outward projection of who you are. So it could be any number of things. It could be a sickness. It could be cancer. It could be tonight or whatever it could be, you know, a breakup. It could be anything could, could, could make you question what it is to be who you are. And so I, I ran into all these questions of, you know, am I a musician? I, can I make music anymore? Am I ever going to hear music The same way, again, we'll get back to that part in a second, Um, you know, know, will I ever do this? Will I ever do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? And so I had all of these questions and I had no answers and the beautiful part and the unfortunate part is that I had to live into those answers. Mm -hmm. Those, nobody could give me those answers. I had to live into those answers. Mm Now we're about a year later for drum and bass or jungle and house. I continued making that music uh, even early into the development of tinnitus because it's music where I sit behind my computer and I make it and I'm not really out in front of it, you know, visually, you know, it's kind of like almost like an alias where if I released it, my face is never really associated with it. And with City Rain, like City Rain is Ben Runyon, Ben Runyon is City Rain and, you know, other musicians that I collaborate with or that become part of the band and that was my identity that was my ego i had built up so much about that identity and ego you know press pictures and photos and i'm this and i'm that and i didn't feel like that anymore and just recently over the last few months i've started writing city rain music again where i'm singing where i'm playing the guitar where i'm rocking out where i'm making pop songs again and i'm able to use the experience of um, let's use the language habituating to sinitis, um, where I can see the experience for what it is.
0: Oh, that's super powerful to hear.
1: You know, I don't know if I shared this with you, but I um, I was walking into uh, work at Drexel, where I teach, and I was listening to my headphones, which in and of itself was, you know, a big thing for me to to get over. And I was listening and, and on my shuffle, Joni Mitchell, both sides now came up. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from near and far, and still somehow, it's clouds illusions I recall. I really don't know clouds at all. And if you want to swap the word clouds for tinnitus, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I I cried. I've seen tinnitus from both sides now. I've seen the snarling dragon, and I've seen the little uh, irritating roommate who doesn't do the dishes.
0: (sighs) Yeah. That, that that's really great
1: that's that's what it is and so having been through that you know everyone feels differently you know i just think to myself i i am a better person for having been through it i did not know the level of despair that a person could feel let let me be very clear when you habituate to your tinnitus Or when you're in the process of habituating to your tinnitus and you begin to have days where you're feeling good, you're not enduring anything. And you're not necessarily consciously ignoring something either. It's not like this weight you're carrying around that's less than it was before. It's it's not really part of your life in any meaningful way. And Frank, I know we've had discussions about this, and and the and the hard part about these discussions is that your experience is your experience, my experience is my experience and your understanding of other people's experiences are filtered through the way you view things in the, the same way mine are, I have a tinnitus where one or two days a week, I literally can't hear it. It's like a little static. And I, I, I could plug my ears and I'd barely hear it. And so I have days where I hear my tinnitus very loud over everything if I tune into it. Um, and having the viewpoint of that, I can tell people that when you habituate to your tinnitus... It's the same thing as the other thing. And what I'm trying to say is having the advantage of having the view of, of, of having variable tinnitus where some days I don't have it and some days I do, or most days I do, it's no different. When when you hear what you think is silence again, it's, it's not some magical thing that you think is so... You're not like, wow, I wish it could stay this way. Because when you don't care, it doesn't matter. Because when people say they want their silence back, You have to even tell me what that is, because if you're in a room where you think it's completely quiet, you know, and I know that it's 35 decibels, right? There's no such thing as silence. So what you really mean when you say, I want silence is what you mean is you want peace. And when you say you want peace, you want your brain to do what it's best at, which is making a hierarchy of senses and filtering out the unimportant ones. And when you begin to habituate your tinnitus or habituate your tinnitus in a meaningful way... That's what happens. You get your silence back because you don't hear it unless you purposely tune into it. And if you do tune into it and hear it, it's without any sort of weight to it that you had before. And you tried to tell me this, everyone tries to tell you this. It's not it's not something you can appreciate until
0: you've experienced both sides, nice, nice. I love the Joni Mitchell connection there too. <laughs> I don't know. You just, you just struck a chord with me about about that piece that you're looking for. Isn't an auditory piece. It's Mm-mm. not a sound piece. No. It's not a soundscape. It's an internal piece. It's not what you think it is. Yeah. And that song both says what she's saying, and it yeah. sounds like that too. Like I'm hearing it just in my head and thinking that song is calm. Oh, it's so comforting. Comfort. It's, yeah. It's,
1: it's like it's like
0: nap time when you were a kid yeah it's it's reading a book with the rain outside like it's just mm-hmm. what you're getting at there is something i've never really been able to articulate which is that feeling that what you're seeking yep it's just there it's internal it's that feeling of contentment right yeah and it's not something it's not this silence that we that we so long for.
1: no and i i hate when i hear this well I, listen i mean to be clear when it starts, yeah, you're grieving your silence, and, and again, I'm going to use the word your peace here. Um, but but once you get to a certain place, you don't even think about it like that. And, and I just think this idea of silence it's such a loaded word, and I don't really think it means anything. Uh, uh what I really think, I strongly believe this having experienced it is. What you're saying is you you want your peace back. I was walking my dogs last night in, you know, around where I live and it's very quiet. And I just thought, oh my God, it's so nice and quiet. I didn't think it's so nice and quiet. This sound is ruining it because I wasn't really aware of the sound. It just felt like silence to me. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to this, if you have tinnitus, you just got it, you haven't habituated to it, you don't even heard haven't heard about habituation as an option. Um, to to quote Dr. Hubbard, um, this, that's an experience you can have, Mm -hmm. anyone can have it. And it's not some unattainable, um, you know, fountain of youth that I thought habituation was because I, I, I went to, unlike Frank, I went to so many other, Mm -hmm. uh, let's say clinicians that knew nothing about habituation and the way they phrased it was that most people did not habituate. And, uh, Mm -hmm. knowing what I know from Dr. Hubbard and knowing what I know from Dr. Steven Nagler and knowing what I know from the literature coming out of what's that place in Oregon called the uh, Oregon health and science university. Yes. That one, knowing what I know about that one in three people, 33% of people have a stress reaction to their tinnitus, which means that 66% of people hear what I hear and hear what Frank hears and say, This sucks for a few weeks or a month or two weeks or two months, and they move on with their lives. And of those people, of those one out of three people that have the stress reaction, 50% of those people go on to habituate to stage four, which means it's nothing to them. They don't even, they rarely hear it. It means nothing to them. They don't care about it. 25%, so this is now adding 75, 25% of those people get to stage three, which is I probably where I'm at right now, which is It annoys me from time to time, but it doesn't really affect my life in any meaningful way at the moment. And then of those people, another uh, 20% two, where they are categorically uh, frightened by their tinnitus, but they're moving towards stage three. And then of those people, there's 5% of people that are in stage one. But of those 5% of people, that's only when they are polled so we don't know what happened to them six months later or a year later or two months so we really have to be careful about how we interpret data because when someone that's suffering reads that five percent all of us at the beginning we all say i'm going to be that five percent i know it i know myself i know the way i am there's nothing you can do to convince me that i'm going to ever be in this place with it
0: and you talked about that concept with me a while ago about uh was a terminal Terminal uniqueness yeah tell me more about that because that's it's
1: it's alcoholics anonymous language oh okay and but you know because every person you know i have friends that are in program and i have family that are in program it's this idea that no i'm different you don't know what kind of drunk i am you know i'm not like you i can't You know, be sober like you. I can't do this. I can't do that. But you can do it with any, you know, illness or addiction or everybody that suffers from tinnitus uh, goes on a specific website, which I shall not mention because I don't want to get in trouble. And they sit there and they talk about how different they like. uh, As someone put it on a forum that helped me very much, and I will happily plug this one. It's called the Tinnitus Support Message Board. Those people saved my life. Uh, I had so many phone calls with some of these people at two in the morning and they saved my life. They, 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 they were people speaking from a place of habituation that had been where I'd been and, and they nursed me back to health. Thank God for these people on the tonight TSM beats support message board. And as one of my favorite members there, who was kind of like the paternal saint of tinnitus uh, there, who was kind of the dad of the board said, People sit around and they write the biography of their tinnitus. Yes, and it's such a waste of time. And that's what that terminal uniqueness is. Instead of working towards habituation, they will tell you every which way in which theirs is special, and we all do it. You know, I have a I have a greatest hits
0: record of my tinnitus too. I can tell
1: you all the weird sounds it makes.
0: And um, I, so with that, know? I mean, the thing that I think that that connects me to so hard with this whole thing with the terminal uniqueness as a as an interesting concept is that musicians have that as part of their dna
1: of course because it
0: doesn't just apply to bad things right if you want to apply a label and say that addiction is bad that's easy to say right but it also applies to all the good things that happen in a musician's life i will get that record deal i will yeah yeah get a million views
1: i'm the one in 100 i'm going to be the one that makes it
0: i've heard the story of that unique person who broke through and that could be me yeah that's inherent in the dna of us musicians so when we get tinnitus it's just that feeling of oh no yeah i'm special and i'm not getting out of this
1: no i was totally convinced that my life was over I was convinced that I would never make music again. I would, I was convinced my students would think I was like a fraud or something. I was convinced my peers and colleagues would see my suffering and think I'm crazy. I was, I was just convinced of a lot of things and it wasn't really until December of last year. And here we are in April, not that Mm -hmm. far away where, um, I got on a medication, uh, an antidepressant, and which I was very reticent to do. It was actually kind of a last resort for me. I was like, I have to take this. And within a week, I began to have a different relationship Mm. with it. And within a month, I started having better days. And within two months, I started having days where it wasn't an issue. And in three months, I started having multiple days in a week where it wasn't an issue. And in four months, I started having like four or five days in a row where it wasn't an issue. And I'd have these days where I would call them setbacks, where there's like a brain reflex, where when your brain is slowly unconditioning a catastrophic response, every now and again, your brain is like, are you sure mm-hmm. the tiger's in the room? You haven't been responding. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the deal? I'm I'm going to warn you of it again. Yeah. And then you think, Oh no, I'm sliding backwards. It's going backwards. This is terrible. And then good times come back again like even if you just want to speak about it from a scientific point of view when you have a catastrophic response to a stimulus it takes a 10 to 1 ratio of good mm-hmm. or leaves let's even say neutral to undo that Completely. response and it's a process it takes a long time it's not a linear path uh, as someone once said to me healing is a spiral and it really you got is that negative
0: bias where you, mm-hmm. you're you're so eager to point to the negative outcome and say that that happened and that's important, even though you've by pointing to it, you're looking past a dozen good outcomes or a yeah. dozen good days. Now I know the answer to this, but I just want to see if you would say it too, because I know you've talked about this before. Those good days, those good moments mm-hmm. after you started the medication, those good moments. Was that a good moment because the tinnitus or the t- sound had changed? Or was that a good mm-hmm. moment because your perspective and your view and your it's relationship a great question. Your relationship to it changed?
1: Oh, it's a great question. Um, both and neither. <laughs> so uh, I would say both and neither. I would say at the, be- you know, mine is so variable. And so there are softer forms of it. There are more staticky than tonal. There's times where it's tonal and extremely loud. <laughs> I mean, it's all over the place. So, at the beginning, when I would start to have these good times, I was convinced that that was only true because maybe it was softer. And so I wasn't even giving myself credit because I thought that, well, it's obvious. It's just softer. Softer equals less distress, louder equals more. I just thought that that was so obvious. It wasn't, and it's not. It's not true. Um, And then I would have more of these days and I would do kind of a stupid thing, which is plug my ears and listen to it. And I think, no, no, it's pretty loud. I'm okay. Oh man, weird. And then it would happen again. And then I was like, then I was fully buying into it. So even when I would have the slide backwards, those days where the, the little red alert button would go off in my brain again, I would realize, I would write it down. I would write it down if this happened, so I wouldn't forget. And I would realize, no, it re- my, something's happening in my brain where it's really changing. There was a mixture of background work that was being done in my brain unconsciously. But there was also an element of CBT that I was doing with Dr. Hubbard, where when I was most challenged by it, I would sit back, I'd take a deep breath, I would do my mindfulness, I'd mindfully listen to it, and I would mindfully do what I was doing. And if I felt some sort of stress reaction, I would continue to do let, let tinnitus do what it was going to do, and I did what I was going to do. And eventually, I realized that the conscious and effortful work I was doing, which did take effort to ignore tinnitus, which did take effort to do what I wanted to do despite stress, eventually... That effort turned into non effort. And I would start to have days where it wasn't even an effort to have a good day. And then I would start to have many days where, through no effort of my own, I wasn't ignoring tinnitus. It just wasn't something that occurred to be a threat or interesting to me. But I would say early on, it t- took careful attention and mindfulness and work to tell my brain no, you're having the wrong response. This is not a problem. And my body didn't believe me. But slowly it it went from 80% effort, 20% background work to 70, 30 to 60, 40 to 50, 50, so on and so forth. So there is an amount of effort when it starts or when you begin this process of working towards habituation. But eventually that
0: ends in non effort. The way that you put that, I think, is something that could be really helpful for a lot of people starting through the, through the, Journey of having these extra sounds in their ears, having this damage to their ears, and thinking one day this should get better, right? But not realizing that the better effort has to be there to to promote to propel forward. I I love that. Well, the way that you let's put
1: it this way. Let's put it this way. And I think this, you know, I'm a data guy. I like data, and I like using data to explain things and arrive at conclusions. When I came to you. Frank Wardinger on August 13th, 2021, I scored on the tinnitus functional index a 158, which is a category four big problem out of a category five, very big problem. In December of last year, after beginning the antidepressants, and and this was three months into doing the CBT. So I don't want to diminish that this was because of a medication. It was because of a combined effort of me looking for help, working with clinicians, working with CBT, and working on my mental health. Um, So we went from a 158 in August to, in December, a 74. A 74 is right around the line of a moderate problem. Last week when I took the TFI, I scored a 49, which is a small problem and bordering on not a problem.
0: And so for anybody not familiar with that questionnaire, the uh, tinnitus functional index, the TFI, it asks about your feelings over the past uh, two weeks.
1: Yeah, it's over two weeks. Because
0: otherwise, if we just said, how do you feel today? That's going to be a ping pong ball for most people.
1: Right. And and it's difficult
0: because of that. Because now if you take this again in two weeks, you're remembering the last two weeks through the perspective of yourself that moment.
1: And how I knew when things were really, really better is even when I was having what I describe a not great day, my score was in the forties or Mm fifties. So even with the bias of that day, not being so great, I had to admit
0: that over the two weeks, things had been better. Exactly. So it forces your perspective a little bit.
1: It's so biased to you, to it being a problem for you Mm -hmm. so that if you do score well on it, it's it's very much like it's not like if you score well on it you're mis- you could be miserable like mm-hmm. it's a good i can speak from experience and say it's a good uh, metric i feel like yeah. because it's 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 basically asking you to define how it's a problem and if you feel like it's a problem and I, and i would even go back and be like did i really answer this honestly
0: mm-hmm. you know yeah and i'm not sure if you had this experience i always had this experience with the tfi personally where i would fill it in and look at those questions and say this is a big problem to my life, right? But these yeah. answers yes. aren't reflecting that. And then I have to think back and I have that cognitive dissonance of maybe this doesn't need to be as big of a part of my day-to-day moments. Oh my God.
1: I had that same experience. Cause like when I started scoring like around the seventies, you know, I remember saying to Gail Brenner, who I did TRT mm-hmm. with, and I did, t- you know, I did TRT to a degree. I said, I got a 74, which shows that this is a small problem, but I don't feel like it's a small problem. And again, only having the advantage of having the variable tinnitus and having days where I don't hear it, I realized I felt the same on those days. And so then I realized it's not, I'm blaming my tinnitus for problems that are more nebulous than that. Tinnitus really isn't that big of a problem. It's just an easy punching bag.
0: And that goes right back to your point about how we're all basically just telling this ego story of ourselves. Tinnitus is part of your life story. Yeah. And I think I shared with you recently that, you know, a couple of years ago, I stopped putting tinnitus on my uh, past medical history forms because that doesn't rise to the surface of uh, part of my life story in that way anymore as a suffering.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, um, you know, one of the biggest metrics that I had in this, the, the act of going into school and being in those Mm. quiet studios and speaking to students and being there for hours on end, what was something that I had accomplished by the time I was 20 had now become difficult for me to do again. I just remembered that, okay, I was a little stressed today, but I got through it. And then a month later was, you know, I was a little apprehensive, but I got through it. Then was, I enjoyed my time in class today. Nice. And then it came to, oh my God, I didn't even think about that for the last two hours. Yeah. And I was so involved in what I was doing. And that's what I mean by going from effortful to effortless.
0: You returned yourself to what you were doing before and were able to recognize this can still be enjoyable. This can still be rewarding and and fruitful. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: still be rewarding and fruitful and 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 I you know I wouldn't even use the language still be. It just is.
0: It just is. I like that. Yeah.
1: You know, it just is. Now that I'm in the position I'm in and using the both sides now analogy, I feel more than 50%, let's say 51% confident. That I may have always had tinnitus because when I'm in a completely silent room, the ring sounds like silence to me.
0: Oh, same. Totally.
1: It's actually often more when other sound is present that it highlights it. But when it's completely silent, the ring sounds like silence to me. And my wife would tell me that I would mention the sound of silence Yep, and that silence was deafening. Yeah. And for the most part these days, I, I I don't care, and I'm I'm not in the process where it's nothing nothing to me, but it is it doesn't stop me from doing anything for or against, and most of the time it is in the background. Um, and again, having that advantage of having days where I don't have it and days where I do, or at least don't hear it, literally even if I look for it, I can really tell you it's no different. It's it, so it just. Cool. You, if it went away for you, you know, have you habituated it wouldn't be in fact, if it went away for me, I think it would be worse because I would be worried about it coming back. right. So because right. I know people that that's happened to mm-hmm. where it went away for 14 years and then it came back and then they rehabituated. I just I just assume have it At, at this point, I would just assume keep it. Let's hold on to it. We're but we're buddies now and uh, it hasn't changed my mixing. It hasn't changed my, my great mixes that I do. It hasn't changed the great music that I make. It hasn't changed the way I hear people. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any sort of hyperacusis that I had early on with it has gone away through exposure to sound, through exposure to healthy sound. Uh, and it's funny, even though the tinnitus annoys me sometimes, it makes me really happy that sometimes I'll hear a certain sound like my dog makes. And I'll think, man, that's a really annoying sound. And it's more annoying than my tinnitus. <laughs> you, you know and that makes me happy because i'm like damn that's really freaking annoying that sound that they're making like shut up and then i like go to sleep in silence with my tinnitus and i'm fine <laughs> you know what i mean you know and it's like the dog's more annoying than my tinnitus that's what it can be like and i know plenty of people that are in a place where their tinnitus isn't even annoying it's just it's nothing and i feel like i'm on the way there
0: That's So great. Because I mean, a year ago when we were first talking about this, uh, not to share your story, but you're welcome to, from my perspective, uh, you would have been beside yourself to hear yourself say that.
1: Oh, all I was looking for in the beginning was something to hold on to. And I found that through Dr. Hubbard, yourself, Gail Brenner, um, and, um, Dr. Nagler and the Tinnitus Support Message Board. I can't stress enough how much that board meant to me because it's a habituation-focused forum. Mm-hmm. And unlike some of the more popular ones, which shall remain unnamed and are probably the first thing that shows up in Google, I would really advise don't go there. <laughs> it is a death spiral of
0: despair and unrealistic thinking. Just Google entirely. That's I agree with that statement.
1: Yeah, just stay away from <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have a cure for tinnitus. Don't even worry about that and work towards habituation. The tinnitus support message board is a habituation focused forum. It's been around for over 20 years. And the people that stay on that forum that have habituated, that stay around for people like me, that 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 walk in sulking, scared, and terrified, mm-hmm. they they nurse every single person back to health. It's amazing. And, and they get them across the finish line Yeah. and then those people like myself stay around for other people
0: um, I wanted to circle back to something Ben uh, you mentioned you know this concept there's so many musicians that just they find it hard to open up about this because of the industry, because hearing health has this almost like a stigma. That's not really the right word. I'm happy
1: to, I don't love the term toxic masculinity. Mm. I do think that a part of this hearing health issue lends into the idea of toxic masculinity um, in that it's this idea that if you have it, you don't talk about it. And if you do talk about it, that someone might not hire you or might think less of you or might do this that or the other um you know or if they see that you have a hearing aid they're going to assume that you can't mix anymore you can't do this you can't do that um mm. i i'm sorry that's my dog in the background um, oh i love it I, um i personally know musicians that mix with one ear You know, to the speakers. I personally know musicians that can tune a C with their tinnitus. I personally know musicians that have significant hearing damage that still work and work in the industry and have gotten Grammys. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have something called the hearing threshold, which you have obviously know. And even with hearing damage, your brain can make up a lot of the room that you're missing. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of those dirty secrets. It's one of those things that's not talked about. And to use a word again, I don't love because I feel like it's so overused and thrown around with so many different things. It's toxic Yeah, and it's terrible and it leads people to not seek help. It leads people to have feelings of shame and alienation, um, and which leads to uh, d- depression and anxiety and all sorts of other unsavory things. And if we talked more about it, A, we could prevent these things to begin with and be with the people that have these things, we won't put them out on an island as though they can't do it anymore. It's ridiculous. stupid. Mm -hmm. My bandmate would call me Ben Game Crusher Runyon (laughs) because I was just blasting it. And then even my other bandmate
0: more recently, like she was just like, dude, Ben, that's really loud. I was like, who cares? Who cares? Loud's not bad. And it gets me back because you said that before, the idea that loud is not bad and my favorite sound in the world is turning my guitar amp all the way up and yes and playing. Yes. Cuz loud is one of the one of the most wonderful ways that a sound can be presented is loud. Yeah. It can also be quiet, it can be it's low, it can awesome. be high. Loud is awesome. Can you tell me more about why do we focus so much on loudness and why do we look at that word as kind of a dirty negative word? But why are you, Ben? Mm-hmm. The, why were you drawn to loudness in the first place, and why are you still drawn to it, even though, even yeah. with everything you've been through? Because
1: loud is awesome, and and awesome is a loaded word because awesome sound is great, sounds great. That's awesome. That's the way we use it in American English. But you break it down, and the word is awe. The feeling of awesome. It's full of awe. Uh, in the same way, when you get chills down your spine, when you. Hear a song that's really beautiful and makes you feel a certain way, or when um, you stand in front of an incredible vista like the Grand Canyon or Glacier National Park, Uh, you know loud isn't inherently bad. How the loudness enters your ears may be bad. It's about the way you're using hearing protection, and it's also about the the amount of time you're exposing yourself to those sounds. But like you were saying, you know I've gone to one, two, three, four. You know, probably five different clinicians that work in the field of audiology and tinnitus, let's say. Mm-hmm. And of those, I think one of those people, I'm not going to name names, one of those people is like, you know, if you're a touring musician, I recommend
0: against Ooh. it. Oh, no, you know, no, no, no. but
1: four of those people say, no way, that's not the case at all. Let's do it safely. Mm-hmm. I immediately drifted towards that because I thought, I'm not going to stop living my life because of this thing. I mean I also have a lot of idols to look up to Bono, Chris Martin, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Richard Marx. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They do it and they do it well. Miles Kennedy, the great guitarist. I mean there's an any number of musicians that have tinnitus. Tinn- it's ubiquitous. And even if we want to go to the nth degree of this and say let's say you, you 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 toured for 10 more years and let's say you made your tinnitus worse, okay? Let's, cause I know someone's going to think, well, what if I made it worse? Well, let's define worse. Worse is a loaded word because we assume, or let's say maybe not we, but me previously as a tinnitus sufferer assumed that worse equals what? Yeah. Louder. Louder. Yep. Louder. The studies have shown over and over and over and over and over again, that loudness, that ca- how chaotic it is, the pitch it is, is not, does not correlate directly with uh, suffering or with uh, anxiety or with distress. So when you say you've made it worse, when you say you have, I have severe tinnitus, that doesn't mean that your tinnitus is loud necessarily. It means that your distress is greater. So even if you were to somehow make it louder, you can habituate to it again. I know people Mm -hmm. that can hear their tinnitus over Niagara Falls and they don't hear it 98% of the time it means nothing to them
0: yep that's 100 percent me and i i think the way that you put that that you can do it safely but you got to get back to your full life and i don't know if you agree with this but
1: I, i know exactly where you're going and i think i agree
0: yeah the musicians that i've worked with myself included this is their whole life and this is her their whole persona because the thing is most people see themselves as what they do and if you are a musician and this is what you do then stopping music yep. is stopping your life your life. stop. And that means which is terrible.
1: You can't fully habituate to tinnitus if you're just yielding your life to it.
0: You can't do it. You can't do it.
1: There's to me There's to me
0: Um, is there anything else that you want to share with people or yeah. plug something? I, or I do you just wanna present anything else?
1: Uh, I here's what I want to say to anybody that's listening to this podcast, and, and maybe you've 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 been uh, you've developed tinnitus. Tinnitus distress, and, and and I and I really wanna be specific that tinnitus distress, not tinnitus, two very different things, okay? And they 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 can they can not correlate or they can be part of a Venn diagram where there's a the center. Tinnitus distress is one of the most isolating, foreign, scary, lonely places that you can possibly be because no one around you, assuming they don't have tinnitus, and uh, and 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 maybe they even have tinnitus and aren't distressed by it. That's why I use the word distress. So even someone with tinnitus may not be able to understand what you're going through. It can be one of the most lonely, scary places you've ever been. Uh, doing nothing about it may work, and you may just habituate naturally over time. In fact there's a strong statistical percentage chance that doing nothing at all, you would still get to a pretty good place with it. But I would highly recommend being proactive about it. And that's the way I approach to it. And and the people that I'm talking about are people like Frank, a personal experience with an audiologist. I highly recommend Dr. Gail Brenner at the uh, Tinnitus uh, and Treatment Center in Ballet-Kinwood, who does tinnitus retraining therapy. I highly recommend Dr. Bruce Hubbard. Has tinnitus himself, fully habituated CBT for tinnitus expert, and if you can and you ever have time, book a session with Doctor Stephen Nagler, who is retired but still doing sessions out of Atlanta. To me, this is the Jedi Council of uh, of tinnitus, um, and perhaps you maybe have a local person. Hard hard to say, but it's it's a field. People like Frank, um, Bruce, uh, Doctor Bruce Hubbard, Doctor Gail Brenner, and Doctor Stephen Nagler. These are the Jedi Council of tinnitus. And they can help you get to a place where tinnitus is not a meaningful part of your life. Uh, And when I use the word meaningful, it's not a negatively meaningful part of your life. And in fact, it could be a meaningful part of your life in a positive way, and that this is possible and you don't have to not have tinnitus for this to happen. So I really recommend that. Reach out for help uh, uh, and, and stay away. The last thing I'll say is stay away From most, if not all, tinnitus-related message boards, uh, Reddit, uh, (laughs) the other website that I'm not going to mention because I don't want to get in trouble for a defamation lawsuit. It's pronounced Google. Yeah, it's pronounced Google. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, the tinnitus support message board. If you're suffering, uh, you you walk in a lost soul, and uh, you walk out uh, with so thankful that these people stuck around uh, to help.
0: Is there any place that people can go and find? Ben, more of Ben Runyon's mu- yep, music.
1: BenRunyon.com. So I've done so much weird and cool and random things in music um, from sound designing a Spike Jones uh, play slash musical to opening for the Lumineers to, um, you know, working on dad rock bands to making uh, electronic dance music and scoring films. I mean, I've really. I've really done it all. And and now from the perspective of where I'm sitting post developing tinnitus and being in a great place with it, you know, I've walked, I've walked the walk and mm-hmm. I've lived, I've lived a life and I, I'm, I'm, life is good. So I can tell you that.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Ben. This is, this has been a joy, a pure joy.
1: My pleasure. All right, Frank, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Talking Ears is a production of Earmark Hearing Conservation. You can reach us by email at talkingears at earmarkhc.com. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode and hearing wellness in general. Theme music was by Scott Hallam. You can find more of his music at audiodowsing.com. Additional production and editing assistance by Juan Vasquez and Mary Kim. Thanks for listening.